Welcome to the Health Woman Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, day two of Yoga Week. I hope you enjoyed my podcast yesterday with Trella Allen. Today, I'm joined by Kate Cuss to talk about yoga, a vehicle for change. Kate used to teach a yoga class at Pure Yoga in New York City, and Michal and I were regulars in her class. Kate is, simply put, really cool. She's extremely thoughtful and is a very well-known teacher of yoga teachers, a teacher's teacher. Kate and I discuss yoga as a way to change who we are physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I'm sure you're going to enjoy the podcast. Tomorrow, I'm joined by Julia Stevens to talk about high-energy yoga. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. All right, we're here with Kate Cuss, who is the founder of Soul and Steady Yoga Parlor and one of my instructors and mentors for yoga. Kate, welcome to Health Woman. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. As you know, but our listeners don't, you were one of my earlier instructors uh, in yoga back at uh, Pure Yoga on the West Side. You had that amazing Tuesday morning class, I believe, and uh, or maybe Wednesday. Either or, I would go with my wife, and we would we just loved your class. And unfortunately for us, you moved on to greener pastures. But I really always appreciated your teaching and your style, and I thought our listeners would really appreciate it as well. Cool, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. So, so just so everyone understands. Tell us a little bit about Kate. Who are you? What's your story? You know, where are you from? How'd you get into yoga in the first place? Oh, I love this question. Normally when I, <laughs> I love it because normally when I share this, it's, I teach yoga teachers and I love doing my teacher training. So when this question comes up, it's always, everybody has a story about how they got into yoga. And for me, I'm 42 years old now. I've been teaching yoga for the past 11 years. And I actually got into yoga pretty later on in life, like when I was in my later 20s, like 28 years old. And the way I got into yoga was it found me in the time when I really needed someone or something to connect to. So let me take a little bit of a ride back a little bit in memory time. So my I, I grew up with a mom who did Bikram yoga from like a Jack Lane tape on a VHS. <laughs> and my mom was like very, very much into being healthy. Like I was the kid who grew up in Astoria, Queens. And I also grew up on the North Fork of Long Island out in the country. And I had city life and country life. And my mom had green juice in the refrigerator before anybody like really did green, green juice and skim milk. Like nobody did skim milk back in the early nineties, you know, but my mom did. And she was really health conscious and did a lot of yoga. Now I'm the oldest of four. I'm a, I'm a female and most teenagers when their mothers tell them to do something or like, Hey, come do a yoga class with me. I'm like, yeah, no, no, thanks. You know, <laughs> I was super active as a kid. Like I loved, love, love, love sports, love being active in my body. I was always working out, but just the yoga thing I did not connect to at all. And I remember being in college and my mom, I was stressed out about a final and my mom brought me to a yoga class and her favorite teacher. And you know how it is when you have a favorite teacher, you want your friends and family to like connect with your favorite teacher too. 
So I go to this yoga studio in Southold, uh, Long Island. The woman who owns the studio, her name was her name is Claire, and she's this beautiful teacher, like soulful. She still teaches out in the North Fork. She actually has a studio in Greenport. Soulful, like really down to earth, like very grounded. Yet I couldn't get past the smell of incense. I couldn't get past the chanting. I couldn't get past the oming. I didn't understand it, and I felt very uncomfortable. So this is me in my, what, am I 20 years old? Right. Did she make then you have I, a green drink also? No, I wish she did. <laughs> it might have made it a little bit better. I don't know. Huh. But, you know, I and, and I just remember, like, going through these poses and, like, you know, sun salutations and chaturangas. And for anyone who's brand new to yoga, that stuff, this is a whole different language. So when you walk into a yoga space and you're trying to, like, connect, it's like there's so much thing. There's so many things happening on every sensory level that it becomes a little like for me anyway, I kind of retracted. And then when I retracted, my personality is like, oh, nope, I'm not, nope, this isn't for me, not for me. Then fast forward to a couple of years later, I was working at in the Flatiron here in Manhattan and I was working for a, a talent agency called CAA, Creative Artist Agency. And my sister was obsessed with Bikram. So she wanted to bring me to a Bikram class. And I was like, sure, let's go. I had no idea that you shouldn't eat like three <laughs> hours before a hot class. I had no idea. I walked into the room and back then, I mean, I don't even know if there's Bikram studios anymore because of all that stuff that's going on with Bikram. But there's carpet on the floor. The place smelled gross. It was nasty. And there was mirrors everywhere. And at that time in my life, like staring at myself, sweating profusely with mirrors everywhere, it just was not the right look. It just didn't make <laughs> me feel comfortable. It didn't make me feel happy, nothing. And at this point, I'm about 25 or 26. I left that and the teacher told me that, you know, whatever I do, I can't leave. Now, Bikram room is like 100 plus degree of humid heat and I'm just dripping sweat and I couldn't leave. And it just made me feel really claustrophobic. So I didn't, I wasn't a big fan to, I wasn't even trying to go back. Then when I was about 28 years old, I was working at Fox, Fox Broadcasting Company. And I was doing integrated marketing as a media and advertising in the media and advertising world. And the boss I had at the time, it's really, really nice person in the in the core of her heart super nice person but she never really managed anybody before and to manage a strong personality and i'm going to just say it like i definitely have a strong personality to manage a strong personality personality and to be a manager that's a whole different skill set you know it's like you can be really great at your job but if you don't know how to manage other people it becomes it, it, anyways i'm sure you understand <laughs> right Right. So I was like hating my damn job. I was hating it. And I was there for like a year and something. Yet I was working on American Idol at like the prime of its time. And American Idol was like the hottest show on TV. And I was doing cool, really cool things. And I just hated the work environment. And I, and I, so I mean, I'm using the word hate so much. And I, and I don't like to use that word, but that's how I felt. Right. It's okay because it's, you're talking about a story in the past. It's not your mojo now. And it's not my mojo now, you know, no, but right. back then it was like, wow, I had so much anger inside, you know, like she would just look at me and I would get angry and I'm like, whoa, I got to change this. This is bad. In the corporate gym, which I would go to all the time, there was a yoga, a, a yoga class during lunchtime. 
And I just started to go. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my sister. Every time I went to this class, I started to feel like every time that I left, much more, much more calmer, right? Much more connected, much more in my breath. At the time, I don't think I understood that I was in my breath. But what I did understand is that I left feeling not so agitated. Right. And then from that corporate class, it went to like, I bought a yoga mat. And then from buying a yoga mat, I bought a yoga pass book. Back in the day, we didn't have class pass. We had a yoga pass book where you cut out a coupon and go into like some rando studio. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. And I went all over Manhattan taking yoga classes. And what I found was that because I love to write. So I would bring my journal with me and I would write things down before I was taking class, you know, whether it be like, oh, I'm so angry. I can't believe she said that today. Or, I can't believe this happened with this client and blah, blah, blah. And when I left the yoga class, all that stuff did not matter because I realized that it was my reaction to other people's stuff that was causing me the agitation. It was my reaction to the fact that this person didn't know how to manage me or it was my reaction to the fact that this client was being really whatever word you want to put in there, you know, right. you know, it, it was my reaction to it. And it wasn't necessarily that they were trying to make me feel that way or they wanted me to feel this way. I was just reacting. And then when I left the yoga class and I didn't feel that anymore, I felt more like calm and cool and at peace. And I was like floating a little bit better. I thought to myself, like throughout, you know, every time that I practice, I was like, shit, this is great. Right. Like everyone should be doing yoga. Now I understood why my mom wanted me to do yoga, you know, but I had to find it on my own way. I had to do it in my own time. And I never in my life thought I'd be a yoga teacher. I mean, you just heard the story of me struggling with even going into a yoga class. I never once thought I'd become a yoga teacher. Right. How do you decide to do that? I'm currently, I'm recently divorced, which is a big change that happened in my life. And, but, but my, my in-laws lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was married for 15 years. So like Baton Rouge, Louisiana was like my second home. Mm-hmm. We'd be down there like a couple times a year. And as I really got into yoga, I, I found the local yoga studio. I'd go to their yoga classes. And I loved this place. And my in-laws noticed how much I loved yoga. They're like, wow, Kate really just is getting to yoga. Like, we've never done it. And, and they said that they'd come with me to a yoga class. And I was so happy and then also so scared because Again, when you try, it's like my mom bringing me to a yoga class, like, yes, come and take it, knowing that they might hate it. And then you're like, oh, no, 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 but I want you to love it. I want you to feel this This is amazing. But I found that gentle yoga class on their schedule. It was it was called like beginner level one. And I was like, great. It was a Sunday, I think, in the morning. We all go down there and, you know, we were like setting up our mats in the room. It was me. Um my husband at the time and my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. And we set up our whole back row and I'm like excited that they're there. They're nervous because they're just like, oh no, what's going to happen? I'm like, but I'm like so excited. I even go out to the front desk just to make sure that the specific teacher is teaching the class. And they're like, yep, level one, beginner, great, great, great. So we get into the class. I start to notice that like the class starts filling up. All these people start coming in and I'm thinking, it's kind of weird. It's like a beginner class. There's a lot of people here. But I was like, what, whatever. We start practicing and it went so fast. It was like sun salutation after sun salutation. I have to do this and do that. And I'm watching my in-laws literally like <laughs> arms flailing to the right and to the left, you know, 
my husband Stefan is like looking at me like, what is this case? <laughs> what did you bring us to? And then it was towards the end, like we were doing shoulder stand. And Nate, you know, like yeah. a shoulder stand is you're putting so much pressure on your neck. And, you know, you have to really prepare yourself well. And the instructions that we were given were so were so not even close to being safe. And here I am, like, knowing that. And I tell my mother-in-law, I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. But she's a strong woman. And she turns around to me. She goes, I could do this, you know, and rightfully so for her. Because she's like, don't tell me I can't do this. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) So I got really upset. And we left the yoga class. And, you know, I didn't say anything in the car and the whole way home. And we get back to the house. And my father-in-law, who's Icelandic, like straight up from Iceland. And if you've ever met anybody from Iceland, they are the kindest, coolest people you'll ever meet. And he turned around to me and said, Kate, I'm so sorry, but I just don't think that yoga's for me. <laughs> and I like my heart just dropped because I understood why. Like I understood why totally. Like no instruction, no no connection. Like I like I got it. I understood. So I was pissed off. I mean, excuse my language, but I was really upset for the rest of the day. And you know, this is this is where these pivotal moments in your life happen. You know, you just get really I got really angry and I was so upset that like they just felt like yoga is not for them because yoga is for everybody. It's just you have to I guess you just have to find the right place, the right teacher, the right time. And my husband, you know, Stefan turned around to me and said, Kate, if you're so upset, then why don't you become a yoga teacher? Why don't you then go out and become a yoga teacher? And I literally stopped my feet on the floor. I was like, I will. Done. I will. I will become a yoga teacher. And no joke, Nate that it just started everything. Like I literally got back to New York, boom, signed up, boom, didn't stop. Like I, I, I did my very first teacher training at pure yoga and within three months graduated and started teaching. I did a mentorship right after that, because in my opinion, a mentorship is like doing like your thesis or right. going to grad school. Right. You know? Who'd you do it with? I did it with KK Clivio. Sure. KK. Yeah. She has like the most grounding, coolest energy. And she just saw me and she saw, she saw the yoga teacher in me before I could even understand that I was a yoga teacher. Right. Like, like I was in, you know, doing my 200 hour teacher training and of course, like really timid, you know, scared because this is all new stuff. But KK saw the teacher in me and she pulled it out of me so beautifully with just literally making me stand in my own two feet and feel my own confidence. Right. It's the exact same thing you're talking about at work. I mean, someone could be really good at practicing yoga and really talented and really advanced, but be a horrible teacher and vice versa. Someone could be, you know, average or whatever, but be an amazing teacher because like being a manager, it's a different skill set. Being a teacher is, is, yes, you have to understand yoga and know it and know what you're talking about, but to sort of impart that in others and help them get to the same place because everyone's different is a totally different skill set totally different skill set because what you're as a yoga teacher my hope and every time that I teach is for my students to walk away feeling more embodied grounded like they can handle whatever changes and challenges are happening so it's in a way teaching yoga is not just about these physical postures it's not just about the body because that's not that's not what yoga is only about So it's understanding all the different layers of who you are and then standing in front of the room, teaching a physical class, but 
having the, like my goal is to literally inject energy into people. So that's why when you mentioned the music, that's why I use my, that's why I use specific kind of music. I use specific kind of language. I use specific kind of body language for myself because it's like, I need to get really open and expansive and vulnerable in order for other people to maybe hopefully do the same for themselves. It's like to feel themselves. So what I do is I just literally put everything out on the table and I don't air out my dirty laundry. That doesn't make any sense because then I'm just standing on my soapbox. No, you know, I think that to be a really good yoga teacher, it's like you got to be real, right? you know, doing a hand, doing a headstand or a handstand. Anyone can do that. A gymnast can do that. Well, I can't, anyone, but any, anyone who's oh, good at it can. <laughs> 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 okay, true. <laughs> but I mean, you can see the people who can contort their body in the most amazing, crazy like ways. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if they were going to be a yoga teacher that they understand the philosophy maybe behind it. Right. So, so it's, it's so interesting because I know that you've I mean, you've done a ton of training of teacher training yourself. I mean, you've like was like seventeen hundred hours or something. I mean, that's an that's a, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, yeah, do you think that it was the the fact that you did it for so long, or just more who you are as a person that sort of brought you to this philosophy of teaching? There's probably a good mixture of it all because all of my trainings that I've taken. I do it to understand more about like, you know, to understand more about yoga, to understand more about the philosophy. Like I mentioned, I did a mentorship with KK. She taught me how to be like a vinyasa, like a flow teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, she taught me how to, how to like stand in front of a room and like conduct a room. But then when I wanted to learn how to teach meditation, Mm -hmm. I had to find another teacher who's going to teach me how to teach it. There's one thing to understand the, and to practice it on your own. And then there's another thing is to, is to understand how to tap into other people's energy and put them into that place. Right. So I found myself like doing another mentorship, you know, and it's, it's, it's time, it's commitment, it's money because, you know, you're paying for these trainings. But I never really saw it that way. You know, I saw it in a way of this means a lot to me and I don't have all the answers. I still don't have all the answers. Like, of course not. Like I just did a 300 hour, like a second 300 hour training in Hawaii just a year and a half ago with my teacher, Yogi Cheru, because why? Because it's like the more knowledge that it's not the knowledge that you get and you like put into your bag and you're like, okay, now I know how to, how to like do this. No, you take the knowledge you learn it, you apply it, you practice it, and then you realize it. Right. And then once you realize it, then you can teach it. Right. So I think that that's a little bit of, you know, like when teachers just teach what they're taught and they just hear it and they're like, okay, that sounds good. That's a big thing. Like, cause I train teachers. So I understand like in the beginning, they don't know what to say. What do I say? How do I how do I instruct this? How do I help people? Like, like what should come out of my mouth? What should come out of your mouth is your experience. What should come out of your mouth is your realizations of your process in yoga. Because then when you say it, people, they connect to it. People can, can like 
think about it. If you have a teacher who's just out there like reading something from a book and just saying something because thinking it sounds really cool, or whatever, you don't really connect to it. It might be like a cool, it's a, it's an okay class. You do whatever, but, you, but there's like no like real shift that happens inside. I totally get what you're saying. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, yoga classes differ in many ways from each other. One of the ways they differ in sort of what is done, right? Some classes are more movement. Some classes are more balanced. Some classes are, you know, faster, slower, more meditative, more chanting, right? There's just sort of a difference in what people do, but also it's who's teaching it. You know, I don't know who Kate is at all. I come into the first class. We've never met, right? I've never seen you in my life. There's a picture of you on the wall, pure yoga, but that's it. That's all I got, right? And so, but over time, I really, just from your class, I get a sense of who you are because I see what you wear and I see how you speak and what words you use and what music you choose for each part and just the way you conduct it. And again, it's, it is unique to you. Your class was, that's Kate's class. And even if someone else taught it and did the exact same, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, practice, it would be different. And I think that that is something that's hard for people to learn because they're so, I don't know if it's afraid, I guess they're just timid about being genuine and who they are. And like you said, they want to sort of at first imitate another teacher and it takes a, a longer time to find their own style that lets them come out. I agree. And I think that a lot of times the younger teachers or just any teacher, they could be teaching it forever. The reason why I take all of these trainings, the reason why I put in the work it's because it's, it's work, right? And I want to know myself. Before I even started yoga, I was huge. I was a big spiritual person, you know, not not necessarily religious. Like I, I grew up in a Greek Orthodox um, house, household, but I didn't really connect to that kind of service. When my grandmother was alive, I'd go to church with her all the time because she connected with it. That was her way of like, uh, like experiencing spirituality. But I grew up in a way and, you know, I mean, perhaps this was me in lifetimes ago, who knows, but I grew up really spiritual, like always looking up at the stars, always like wanting to know, like, who am I? Like, what am I here for? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something and I know that I'm here to help people, but how can I do that? What can I do? So I think some people are just, they're really, they're born and in a way where they just are philosophized. Like they just become this, I mean, for me, I was like always thinking and always wanting to talk about like the bigger things. I'm not very good with small talk. Like if you meet, like, that's why in my media world, when I was, you know, working in, ad, in media and advertising, like I really didn't connect with so many people because the only thing they cared to talk about was like, where are you going on vacation? <laughs> Where should we go for lunch? Let's go out to this dinner place. Like, let's drink a ton of alcohol. Let's go blah, 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 blah. It was like, oh, gross. Like, I'm trying you to meditate. I'm trying to meditate here. Quiet. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and no joke, Nate, I would, every week I held a meditation class. I had, I held a yoga nidra class in a conference room at Fox. And I would get the executives to come in in their suits and they'd lay on the floor practicing yoga nidra. It was like the best. I was like the resident yogi at Fox. It was the best. But, but you know, like, I think that a lot of times what makes a good teacher speak their truth to become a great teacher is when they do their own work to understand their place in the world. Or they understand like why they're here, what or what do they have to share? In order to share, you have to you have to do the work already within. 
So it's not about just learning the sequence. It's not about just learning the technique. Technique is anything, you know? It's where's the heart? Where's the soul? Where's your heart whenever you teach? Where's your soul? Like, like what is it do you want people to really feel? Is it just about the sun salutations, like that studio in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? Or is it about connecting to something deeper within you? I think that for some yoga teachers, maybe they're just, that's where they would like to be because yoga has helped them. But sometimes we don't, you know, maybe they just don't know yet how yoga has helped them. Or maybe they haven't realized that there's something deeper to yoga that's not just about the physical body. It's almost like a yin yang, the physical and the mental of yoga, because you you can't really separate them because they're connected. And that's the whole idea of it. But there's definitely different emphasis that people place on different aspects of it. And some are much more into the physical part, like, look what I can do. You know, I've been doing yoga for two years and I can do this. It's really cool. And I haven't ever been able to do that before, which is great. And it's an accomplishment. And there's obviously value in that. And others, you know, sort of like you said, will take yoga and use it more as a journey in their own life and, you know, self-realization and sort of, you know, mental health and all of mindfulness. And they sort of focus on that aspect. And it's sort of how do you do those together? And that's where it becomes unique for each person. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. What, what totally. do you, when you, when you're not teaching and you're just practicing on your own, what do you do? What do you like to do in terms of your own, you know, style? Yeah. So I love to kick my own butt. You know, I love, I like love to sweat. So I'm like, I'm like the balance of the teacher. I'm like the yin and the yang. Right. So I love to sweat. I love the power. I love the planks. I love to, you know, really use my own body weight as like that challenge. And then I'm completely obsessed with just holding uh, let's say what we know as p- pigeon pose for like three, four minutes and just chilling out. So for me, my own personal practice, my personal teachers are Brian Kest. He's based out in Los Angeles, but he travels all over the world. He's actually, I'm trying to think if he's still in LA. I know that he moved, but he's still in California. He has a great website, poweryoga.com. All of his classes are up there. Brian is one of my biggest inspirations because he taught me how to like be in my power, but yet it can be soft. Right. It doesn't have to be like this hard, crazy thing. Like it could be really simple movements and yet you can still feel really challenged and it's, it's, it's great. And then I have Yogi Charu, who's my meditation teacher. And he's the one that, you know, I think hands down when I don't meditate, when I don't carve out time for quiet time for introspection, that's whenever I, I become a little, I do not feel balanced right. or I feel a little anxious or something. So when I practice on my own, I like to kick my own butt and do a lot of, you know, the planks and the chaturangas and like the strengthening poses. But then it comes with the balance of like deep stretches And then the meditation part is so important. The meditation part is like the icing on the cake. I mean, your class, I remember it was so, it was just what you described. It was very deliberate and not super fast. And if you just sort of listen to a tape of it, you know, there's a recording, you would think, oh, this is so sweet and calm and simple. (laughs) But in the middle of it, I'm like, my God. God, this is like so hard, you know, it's, and I remember I would, I would walk up and be like, why was that so hard? Like, why am I like, like exhausted and, you know, sweating my face off and, you know, in case, oh, you know, just do this and do this. And like, it's like, it's you no know, big deal. Yeah. yeah. No and big I, deal. I don't, yeah. I mean, for me, I, the meditation thing is great. I, I, my problem is I, 
I still tend to fall asleep <laughs> every time. So it's I'm working on it, <laughs> but it's um, I'm also tired. So it's it's uh, Good it's, <laughs> it's and then and then tell me, I I definitely want to discuss your music because it's also awesome. We have a very similar love of classic rock, it seems, which is yes. one of the other reasons. So how did you decide? You know, you said you pick specific songs for specific you know, parts of the practice? Is it more so the the beat? Is it the message of the lyrics? Is it just sort of what it evokes, you know, in your in your own memory? How do you choose your music? All of that together. Okay. So I'm a huge fan, huge fan of music. And I'm a huge fan of like, just like it's like classic rock blues, the Delta, like the Delta blues. I love to hear the guitar. I love to hear the guitar sing and cry and wail. And I love to hear when people talk about like their struggles and their challenges and you can hear it in their voice and you can hear it in the, in the instruments. And what it does for me is like that, that strum of the guitar, that bass, it like strums my heart. It strums a chord within me that like makes my cells inside like come alive. And sometimes the lyrics, you know, like you listen to it, you're like, oh, I can't play that in a yoga class, you know, because you also don't want to play something that people are talking about negative things or horrible things. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But most of the time, music is not horrible stuff. Music is about challenges. Music is about like lifting yourself up from the mud or realizing that it's okay. Music is about like here's my heartache. I'm throwing it all on the table, but guess what? It's going to be okay. So I love it. Like music inspires me. I have music on all the time. I like walk around my day with music on all the time and all different kinds of music, but it is that classic rock. It's like that blues that just make me feel like I come alive. Right. You know, and you're in the middle of class and, you know, Zeppelin comes on. He's like, Zeppelin. Whoa. I was like, I was like, I was just listening to some like chanting from Tibet. And now I got yes. like, you know, the doors. Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, exactly. it's yeah. And it's, it's, and no, but it's true that it's not, it's, it's not, you know, the classic rock is, as Jack Black said, it's about sticking it to the man. So yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, you know, and, um, and then, so different parts of the class, like, you know, if, if, if the class is going to be slowed down, you know, it's slowing itself down. I want to make sure that the music matches your heartbeat. And the times where, like, you know, the song gets a little faster, the song gets a little bit more peppier, then that's the time that I know that I can kind of inject some energy into the poses, whether it's holding plank or holding forearm plank or making you do some core work to match the energy of the music. And then as the class starts to wind down, then I start to wind the music down. I want people to feel like they, they are moving with the music and they can melt with the music. So the music should be just as soothing as my voice. It should be just as soothing as the sequence that I create. So it feels good inside the body because the vibrations of the music will be communicating with your body. I always laugh. Like there are some teachers that I go to and they're fantastic te teachers, but they don't know anything about music. And they play like the most boringness or music that has no soul to them whatsoever. Yet these are the most soulful teachers. And what I would love to be able to say to, to say to them, but they're not my friends. So I would never say that, but I would love to be able to say, I tell my teacher trainings this all the time. If you don't know music, don't play it. Like do not play it. Do not put that element into your class that uh, your music is another element of communication with your students. So if you don't understand music, leave it alone. Wow. There should be teacher training just for music appreciation. 
it really <laughs> 200 hours of like yoga music you know yeah yeah <laughs> that'd be pretty yeah. cool it's an experience, you know? Yeah, it, it, it totally, music, I wouldn't say it ruins a class if it's bad, but it can definitely be distracting. If, if you're like in the middle, you're like, why is this song on? Like, it's so weird. And then you're focusing on that. Whereas if it's sort of flowing nicely, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, right. Like, I'm in, you know, this is perfect. Totally. And that's, totally. that. wow, that's a real skill. I like that. So if one goes to your website, and you should, it's uh, www.soul. N, like the letter N, steady.com. There's a, several, you know, quotes there and sort of who you are. And I wanted to talk about them because they're so interesting. And one of them, and I'm just going to, you know, say a few of them, we'll talk about one of them, a quote on your website, which is yoga is more than just movements. It's a journey an exploration an experience. And that some of that's what we've been talking about. But what, what do you mean by that? Like it's a journey or an exploration? Sure. Yoga is a daily practice. So your life itself is a journey, right? Like you, I mean, I'm 42 years old. I was born in Astoria, Queens. I was also raised out in the North Fork of Long Island. Then I was married for 15 years. I was a media executive. I mean, I made it all the way up to a vice president of integrated marketing. I became like, uh, I, I started to manage a yoga studio here in Brooklyn. And now I've built my own yoga brand, Soul and Steady. And it's a journey. 15 years ago, when I married my husband, my husband, I didn't even, you know, at that time, I mean, at this point, it's like 16, whatever years ago, I didn't even practice yoga yet. I didn't even, I'd never wanted to take a yoga class. And now look, now I'm living a life straight up of yoga. And it's a journey because every single day, I have the opportunity to listen to my heart, to my mind, to my energy, and to say, Kate, what's good for you? What do you want to do? How do you want to spend your day? What do you want to do with your day? So the journey part is me deciding, hey, this is what makes me feel good. This is what makes me feel alive. This is what makes me feel helpful. This is what makes me feel connected. So this is, I'd like to do more of this. Where this is going to lead me, I have no idea. If you would have asked me 20 years ago, where do you expect to be in 20 years from now? I never would have said living in Red Hook, Brooklyn, owning my own yoga brand, Soul and Steady, creating a yoga parlor, a private yoga space and training space for teachers. I would have laughed. Be like, yeah, right. You know, but that's part of the journey. Part of the journey is not, you know, is living hopefully every day is being able to live the best version of your life that you possibly can and being flexible enough to make that left turn or the right turn or keep going straight or doing whatever it is that you feel is a direction that you should go into. When you practice yoga, it's a practice. It's not going to be like, great, I took a yoga class and listen, hey, if this is how you do it, that's fine. But for me, it, was, it, it became a lifestyle because yoga is a philosophy. It's not just about the physical. It's energetic. It's mental. It's emotional intelligence. And it's connection back to your soul. So it became this like way of life for me. And that's part of my journey that I'm just kind of going down and I'm trying to live my most authentic life. In yoga, yes, of course, it's movements, right? There's warrior one, warrior two, and you do this. But when you embody the energy that comes up in these poses, when you practice it from your heart space, when you put that foot down and spread your toes and feel your heel and lift your heart, 
your stuff, your mental stuff that you came into class with slowly goes away. And that's why I say that yoga is an experience. So every time that you come into class, every time you come onto your mat, I can teach you the same thing over and over and over again. I can teach you the same exact sequence, but every time that I teach it, you will feel it differently. Right. You will have a different experience, which is why Ashtanga Yoga, which is an amazing, I, I practiced, I was in a, I was a Mysore practitioner for two years and it helped me. It, it actually helped me so much in my, in my yoga journey, understanding yoga and the power of the breath. They do the same poses every single day, but it's not the same. It's interesting that, you know, we're talking about this and one of the other aspects that you, that you focus on in your you know, discussions and what you put on the website is this idea of change. And you write that, you know, how people change themselves, both, you know, spiritually, mental, mentally, physically, emotionally, and you write change is hard. It's uncomfortable and scary. We become vulnerable and life feels heavy. Through a dedicated practice of yoga and meditation, we learn how to celebrate change in our lives. We see how our challenges are here to help us evolve into better versions of ourselves, and which is so true. And you can look at that in all those different aspects. People can say, "I feel like I'm out of shape. I feel like I'm inflexible. I feel like you know parts of me hurt." And this and yoga is an amazing just physical tool to change and to feel better. People can have emotional troubles, you know, situations or whatever it is. And yoga is a, a really a way also to change, like you said, how you respond to the struggles and challenges that you face. It could be spiritual, as you were describing. It could be religious. It could be really anything if you sort of come into it with the right intention. And it's just an unbelievable vehicle for people to make change in their lives. And obviously, it's something that you focus on. Have, have you, you know, what have you seen in terms of, you know, whether your students or your peers or yourself in terms of change that, that made you come to this realization? With myself, when I started practicing yoga, I saw the change of my attitude, right? So I saw the change first when I was still working at Fox, where that same boss that I would just drive me nuts. And I use the word like, you know, and I, and I hated my job. I slowly did not hate my job anymore. The job did not change, Nate. Right. Nothing about the job changed. Right. The you, boss you changed. changed. The job, I changed. <laughs> right. I changed. And I changed. And as I started to notice my change, I became much more, I wasn't so, I didn't react so quickly. Right. So it wasn't like I was using my emotions, like anger comes up really fast for me. And I would just get angry really fast. And it's like, oh, nope. I can actually slow that down. So I wasn't this like, I don't know, I was about to use the word slave to reactions. You know, it's like a, like a reaction comes up or an emotion comes up and then you feel it and you become so heavy with it. And it was like, no, yoga helped me to slow all that stuff down so I can react from a higher place. And I wasn't just letting my senses take over. And I wasn't just letting my reactions take take over. So. When I notice that change within me, I'm like, whoa, this works. There's a reason why yoga works. Unfortunately, they're not around anymore. I think they only have a studio in LA, but I think they closed down because of this whole pandemic. Mm -hmm. But yoga works. There's a reason why that name is awesome. Yoga works. It works. The other thing too, it's like, you know, you teach. I've been teaching for 11 years now. 
And who knows? I mean, sometimes I, my students talk to me. Sometimes they, they like don't. They can come every day to my class and I can try to engage in conversation. But they're like, nope, don't want to talk. Cool. <laughs> you know, don't don't talk. But the ones that do open up and share things, I mean, when they tell me because in every class we set an intention because big part of yoga philosophy is to set an intention. It's called the Sankalpa. I wrote about uh, I, I wrote about how to set this intention. It's on my website in case you want to read more about it. But when I get students that come up to me and said and like they tell me that their Sankalpa came true, like they've been trying to get another job or they've been trying to do this and they set it in their heart and soul to do it. And then that change for them happened because of the energy that they put forth. It's like a little, little, I was going to say pat on the back from the universe being like, good job, Kate. Good job. You know, because change is inevitable. The only thing constant in life is change. And to think that that's not true. That's a, I mean, look, look at, look, if you have kids, look at your kids. Your kids start off as like being grown inside of, you know, the mother's belly to being born. I mean, I have a three and a half year old niece. She's completely the same inside, light wise inside, essence wise inside from whenever she was first born. But she's a totally different kid. Right. Every time I see her, she's a different kid. Imagine if we expected that child to stay the same. Imagine if we said to the kid, like, no, you know what? You're five you're going to stay five for the rest of your life. You know, change is always going to happen. Like our jobs are going to change where we live is going to change. Like our parents, their health is going to change. Our health is going to change. I mean, look at nature, look at the universe. Everything is constantly changing. And to think that we're not going to be affected by change is just like hoping for something like, you know, it's just, it's it's just not going to happen. So in the yoga culture, the yogis celebrate change. There's a reason for the change. But see, as humans, we get so caught up and so attached to our life. We get so attached to what we do, to our labels, to our, you know, me. I was so attached sometimes to like my media executive or I'm a wife or I live in Manhattan or blah, blah, blah. You get so attached to these labels that you live a life that you don't necessarily even want to live, but you don't see how you could live a different life. So in the yoga culture, yogas, uh, yogis celebrate change. So instead of looking at the change, it's like, oh, no, oh, no. It's like, oh, yes, yes, we have an opportunity now to live in a different way. We have an opportunity to learn, to change, to grow. So instead of fighting it, instead of like saying, no, you you know, you're just going to stay like this. Telling that five-year-old child, nope, you're going to stay five for the rest of your life. It's not going to happen. I think when we become adults, though, like, you know, you hit all those different milestones, right? You go to college, you get a family, you do this. And then there's like a big chunk of time that people are like, what do you do? 30, right. 40, 50. What do you do? Like, how do you change? Like your body doesn't, you know, you're, you don't really change all that much. So I think that we're not, when you're younger, change is more easier because you're constantly changing. You know, you're constantly like everything around you is constantly like changing, like your body's changing. You know, your friends change, your grade changes, like you go to different schools, all that stuff, you know. So to to keep the mind frame of the only thing constant in life is change is to be a yogi because you're just going to keep yourself flexible to the inevitable. Right. Wow. This is like a, it's like a class in philosophy with you. Love it. 
<laughs> Thank you so much. I'm like enjoying myself so much because it's like, you know, to the point of too, as a yoga teacher, unless you take one of my teacher trainings, you know, like where I talk for like days straight, you know, like I I, I can't do that in the yoga class. People would be like, okay, I got to go to work. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> this has been wonderful. <laughs> Time to go. It's uh, but no, it's, it's, it's really, listen, I, I love talking about this. I, practice yoga. I'm not, I'm not doing it every day. I've got a lot of things going on, but it's, it's become a part of my life. And in my family, a lot of us do it. And I just see the, the, the benefits of it in so many different facets of it. And one of them is everything you're talking about, which is this idea of looking at the world differently and looking at yourself differently and going through change. And it is really a philosophy in a sense of how to handle your journey through life. And I just think you do an amazing job at teaching it. And it's not just sitting in a classroom listening to you talk, but you do it through yoga, which I, which I just find really cool. And I know that your students do, and that's why people gravitate to you. And I certainly would encourage anybody uh, who's interested in yoga, either beginner, intermediate, advanced, whoever you think you are, check out Kate and your website, Soul and Steady, and just see if there's an opportunity to meet you and to learn from you and to practice with you. I think it's a really great opportunity for people. Thanks, Nate. That was so nice. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Kate, thank you so much for coming on Health Woman. I really appreciate it. I do hope to see you in person, both if I ever find where, out where Brooklyn is, too, if this <laughs> pandemic ever ends and we're allowed to see other humans again, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Well, I have a, I'm creating my own yoga parlor, my own yoga space in Red Hook. I, actually, it's almost done. So whenever this, everything set, settles down, I would love to have you. That's awesome. Thanks, Kate. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www dot healthfulwoman.com that's h-e-a-l-t-h-f-u-l-w-o-m-a-n.com if you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com have a great day the information discussed in healthful woman is intended for educational uses only it does not replace medical care from your physician Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.